uh, a lot of my philosophy on dating and marriage you just heard and i'm i'm uh really proud so just to give you an idea this film that you just saw was nominated for a canadian screen award it's like the canadian oscars uh, <laughs> oh hello eliza Hello. <laughs> what a great surprise. We Hi, everybody. Have you. <laughs> you are uh, you are live at Harvard. Hello, Harvard. Well, we're actually not Harvard. We are the international college students in Boston. So we have students from all um, different schools and um, from all different countries. Um, but yes. Hello, everybody. <laughs> We're all still excited to see you. <laughs> I think we have to speak in Swahili now. Yes, exactly. Well, actually, you had a little moment in your um, video about the girl from Panama. And a lot of our students here are from Panama. So they their defenses, they're a little triggered. <laughs> uh, <okay>. <laughs> <laughs> well, I might be coming to Panama for a wedding. So stay tuned. Oh, <laughs> Yeah, see. <laughs> I think I think um I think Pat <laughs> Can you hear? <laughs> no, I didn't hear it all, but Panama's a small community. They know who it is. The yeah. weddings. Yeah. I know when the wedding yeah. is. I told Rabbi, keep my schedule free. I'm flying to Panama. <laughs> Amazing. She said that I, Yael said, I have a boyfriend, but if not, I would have definitely called you. <laughs> <laughs> so so ask questions. You have both of us here. Ask us your dating questions, your relationship questions. All right. We have our first question. Can they see me? Okay. I have a question. Introduce yourself. Okay. I'm Millie. I'm from Panama. I go to BU, Boston University. Um, like the video, it was very interesting, but I wanted to ask you to the rabbi, like, why are you opposed to the idea of love and why, like, I get the fact that the system works one way and I respect that. Like, I, I get the fact that you can be successful in a marriage without falling in love in the first, like at the beginning and you could fall in love after. However, why is the idea of like, getting into a relationship like a bit ridiculized or like seen as like something that's not even real like something that's in the movies you, I think you say it a few times in the video say so like no that's only for the movies that's only for the movies but like are you saying that's not real life and like why are you so so opposed to that so Elisa the, the, the premise of this film is that love comes later Okay. that's the premise I, of the film. Your film I know your yeah, film yeah okay so <laughs> and I think that we, we have a a hyper hyper-focused world that is not necessarily interested in, in love and in what we look at love. So th just the example, and, and Elisa and I were just talking about this, the fact that you can love ice cream and love your grandma, for all of you international students, in your languages, there's probably many ways of saying love. But in English, there's no other way to say love besides love. And ice cream and grandma, though I love ice cream, I definitely don't like ice cream like I love my grandma. <laughs> and so I think that we have no other choice but to turn love on its head. So that we can actually ask ourselves a provocative question. What is love really? What does it really mean to you and I and to the world? 
And if, if love leads to marriage, then it needs to be like marriage. So what is love that is like marriage? One of the, today I was, I was on a, a Christian podcast and they asked me, why do you think that you can talk about relationships? And I said, I only have one credential that allows me to talk about relationships. It's not my absolute infatuation in the past 20 years on relationships. It's not the fact that I'm a rabbi. It's not the fact that I do coaching and therapy. It's the fact that my wife and I have a loving, healthy relationship for the past 19 plus years. That's it. That's my only credential. That's it. And so in a world where the divorce rate is well over 50% now, and we're looking for love in a way that maybe it's not working, my my urge and my request to you is that you take a look at what works. If you if you want a, a, a coach or you want a mentor, or you want somebody who is going to, to give you guidance, the best person to ask is someone who's done what you want to do. If you go to a therapist that's been married three times, I don't know if that's going to be good uh, advice that they'll give you. Maybe the, maybe they're wonderful people, but I don't think that they'll give you good advice for a long-lasting and healthy relationship because they've never done it. Neither oh, I want, single. Can I, can I add on to it? It's somebody who's done what you want to do and has been successful at it. We need that part on the end because that's really what you're saying is that they have to have been successful at it because then they can tell you not just from their understanding, but from their personal wisdom and life experience, ah, here's how it can go. It's not the only way because everybody goes through things differently, but it's it's one of the ways that you could get through it. I hope that answers the question. Yes, can I add you. one more? Wait, can I add one more thing? Please, this is fun. Okay, <laughs> one more thing. Love isn't enough. So Rabbi and I talk about this all the time. We, we're obsessed with the concept of love, relationships, soulmates, and we just dig into everything. I, I pick his brain about all of the Torah and all of the Ju Judaism and all the wisdom and pull it out so that we have everything in plain language. But it goes like this. Love isn't enough. I had a couple. They were going out and things were okay. And over time, they were like, okay. But then they started to really go downhill. And she came to me and we started talking about it. Eliza, I don't know. What should I do? Stick with the relationship. Maybe we should get married. Maybe we shouldn't. I said, well, how are things going? She said, well, they were good, but they're really not good. And over the course of the last couple of months, they've really gotten bad. I said, okay, sounds like maybe you shouldn't stick with this. And she says, but I love him. Mm. I said, okay. Do you have the skill to stay in the relationship? No. Do you have your values aligned to stay in this relationship? No. Are your personalities meshing together and working? No. But I love him. And my answer to her was, but love isn't enough. If the other things were aligned and you're like, I mean, I don't know how much or if I really love them. Rabbi, Rabbi's answer holds. You can grow. You can build love. It will come over time. But if 
you love the person, but not enough is there to hold a relationship together, quite frankly, it just doesn't matter that you love them. You're going to have to get over it. You probably need therapy. It's going to be difficult. But I love you doesn't mean I should live with you. Definitely doesn't mean I should marry you. It just means I've spent enough time together with you and I've developed this love for you because over the course of time, I've given to you. Because at the root of the word love, ahava, is the word, the meaning give, to give. And that's the secret to growing love. So people who fell out of love, you didn't fall out of anything. You just stopped giving to each other. Not just that you stopped caring, that you actually stopped trying. That's at the root of the, the issue. Lisa, I think that is the critical point. Relationships thrive on giving. And very often we confuse lust and love. Lust is selfish. Love is selfless. People walk into relationships and they're like, what can I get out of it? What can you give to me? What is What am I going to I get nothing out of it. Why should I even be here? That's lust. Love is what can I give to this relationship? And there, um, there's a rabbi, Rabbi David Aaron, who said, love is a feeling that starts with an action, right? Not just, I feel like I love you. I feel it. Why do you feel it? Where did it come from? How does it start? How do I get it back again? It starts with an action. The action is giving. And the more that I give, the more that I will develop love. So just so that we're all on the same page to understand this concept, if you take a parent and a child relationship, okay, when a child is five years old, who loves whom more? Does a parent love a child more or does the child love the parent more? Mm. The parent loves the child. Why? Because the parent has been giving to that child over and over and over again, more and more and more. Now, in the beginning of life, a child is more of a receiver than a giver. And what happens in the end of life when, when a child starts giving back and maybe a parent can't give as much, right? Then they're able to grow their love even more. But I, really, throughout yeah, I, a lifetime. I love this, the parent-child relationship. There's another example that I was thinking as you were talking. Uh, Obama. When Obama was elected, they did a study on how was Obama elected. He was the, the president that got the least amount of money per donor to his campaign. Actually, there was something like insane, like the average donation to the Obama campaign was less than $5. And what the researchers discovered is because people gave to his campaign, they voted for him. Because they had given, it wasn't that they voted, they gave to him because they liked him. No, somehow they were convinced to give him. And once they gave him, they had to justify why did they give him? And they voted for him. And that's why they were out to get a dollar from people. They said, just give us a dollar. Because they knew that there's a good chance that that person was going to go and vote. Just the act of giving $1 to the Obama campaign made them go out and vote. That's the power of giving. Can you hear me from here? I can hear you. Okay, thank you. Hi, my name is Yvette, and I'm also from Panama. And Panama, Panama in the house tonight. Yes. <laughs> I have a question. Um, I 100% believe that through your marriage, love grows and connection grows and everything. 
And but my question is, for example, in that video, the last couple that was talking, the one that she made the shuvah and that she found like all the check marks in her in her partner and everything. For example, I feel that the focus wasn't like completing the check marks and seeing that you have everything that you want. And I think not not like not that love was missing, but I feel that connection was missing at the beginning. Like I understand that you can love the person after you get married, but maybe it, through that perspective that if you only like maybe date a person and and say like okay okay it, it all the check marks are there I have everything you want I have everything I want that you get married I feel that you might lack the connection after anyways you're giving but if there's a, like I still think that if you connect somehow not love but connect somehow. You can start building that love by being married and giving and everything because it's true. For example, I've been married for two years. It's not nothing compared to them, but it's true that the, like days pass and you give more and you love more. But I feel like at the beginning there was this connection for you to build up in that love. I'm not saying the love needs to be there. So maybe because there wasn't that connection and it was more like check marks and and it has everything I asked for. Maybe that's when she said after, like, okay, this is like an empty, something like an empty, I don't yeah, the box. like an empty box. I think they can maybe, maybe the connection was missing. Like, what's your perspective about not only checking the, the boxes, but also feeling something similar to love? I think maybe the the question would be like, okay, so if you don't need to have love and you don't need to feel in love, what? Where do you need to be? What, what, what signifies yeah. where? How do we know we're ready to move forward yeah, if not we're not? Only, okay, this makes check, sense. It's not just about check marks. This makes sense, and I feel it makes sense. Kinda. So th there's a couple of things that I think are important to address, and I want to hear what Elisa says that, on this. That the first thing that is important to to address is that somehow, over time, people are looking for something that may or may not exist. And they're like, they have it. I mean, did you notice how much in the film he expresses his love towards her? It's so beautiful. Like, he's totally infatuated with her. What more does she want? What more? What else are you looking for? It's almost like, I have everything I always wanted, is what she says in the film, but it's not enough. Exactly what I asked for, I got it, and it's not enough. And so... There's the first question is, we have to ask ourselves, what's enough for us? What's our bar? And each person is going to have that feeling because it's not something you can know. It's something you feel. And it could be for some people, a very basic idea. And for some people, it takes more time to unfold like an onion and you have to peel away those layers. Elisa, what do you think? That's a good answer. <laughs> we, have two, we have two questions on, I guess, your response. Um, no, on, on oh, something else. On is yours connected with the response, yeah. Claudia? Okay. By the way, I just want you to know that it's three o'clock and three twenty-three in the morning for Eliza right now. She's, oh my gosh! She's, she's with us from Israel. Oh wow. my gosh! Thank you. Thank, Thank you so you. much. <laughs> I was gonna, I was going to ask how long does this go? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. That's so nice of you. Um, Claudia. I have two questions. Like, okay, because sometimes there's the perfect person in terms of, like, 
um, everything like the person clicks the like all the boxes, but then you don't feel that purely. So what should we do? Should we still choose because rationally it makes sense, but you don't have that feeling of love, or should we just like go away in another, in another direction? I couldn't hear the question. Could you repeat the question? Oh, sorry. She said sometimes, sometimes the person checks all the boxes. Um, and you know that like rationally it makes sense, but you don't have the feelings. So should you keep trying and saying like, oh, I, I shouldn't let this go because it makes sense? Or mm -hmm. you know, how does it work when when that's the position that you're in? Okay, wait. And Sarah yeah, Elisa, date them till you hate them. Date them till you hate them. Yeah. So um, <laughs> when everybody, when everything checks out and it, and it logically makes sense, but the feelings aren't there. Um, or the feelings aren't there to the degree that you want them there, then I would say, yes, follow the philosophy of date them till you hate them, which does not mean that you're going to hate them. It just means you keep you take it further than you might normally because so much makes sense. And I want to know over the course of time, does this grow? Do we see that the relationship is going up? Do we see that it's getting better? Do we see that we went from like, eh, I'm not like feeling it to like, well, it's kind of nice to, oh, yeah, we, we've had more good moments, right? Is it slowly increasing over time? Does it go, you know, up and down? Does it kind of trend down? I would like to see more time pass when so many things line up and so many things make sense. It's very hard to find something that makes sense, but it can't only make sense in your head. There does have to be a feeling that comes where you feel settled, where you feel a little bit calm, confident, and you feel good about a relationship. And and for some people, it grows more quickly. And for other people, it takes a, a lot longer. <clears throat> so I never, we never know the timeline exactly, but when it makes sense, I'd rather you know, like, I'd rather you have a reason why it's wrong and walk away than just walk away because it's not there yet. It might get there. What, what if you're a touchy-feely kind of person and it just doesn't feel right or it does feel right? What do you do when it's not about the intellect, but rather it's about the emotions? What, you're touchy-feely, you're talking like really touchy-feely? No, I'm life? talking about like you're somebody who who feels and, and you're just not, it's just not, sometimes, you know, there's a lot of people that I meet and they're like, I just, I just don't feel it. I don't feel it. What do you do in that case where, see, what you're saying is something so logical and it makes a lot of sense to me, but then you have people who it's not logical. It just doesn't, there's no rhyme or reason to it. It's just, that it's just. But if they don't feel it, they also don't not feel it. Because if they, if they felt that it was wrong, they would actually stop going out because they would feel wrong about it. The problem is, is that it doesn't feel right yet. And it might never feel right, but we won't know without having time and that data to put the whole piece of the puzzle together. Like if you're exactly what you're saying, if it feels wrong, they're gonna stop. They're not even gonna ask you. They just can't do it because it doesn't feel right anymore. The problem is the the question is about feeling neutral. Like, I like you, you're a good human. You make perfect sense on paper. I'm just not compelled. I'm not drawn to you. I'm not ooed and odd and wowed by you. And I don't have that feeling like, ooh, this is right. But it's all they're also saying I don't feel that it's wrong because if they felt that it was wrong they would walk away that's the problem that mm. that's why this this specific case gets into giving it more time how much time 
it depends on who you are and where you fall, if you're secular, if you're more observant, but I would say at least twice as much time as you normally would give something. Double double the length of time. I like that. Least. I like that. At least twice as long. So if it would be one date more or one month more, because generally we say with, with regards to observance that one date equals one month for those who are not observant. Wouldn't you, like, what would you think about the principle of soulmate? Like, Shouldn't your soulmate feel right? Or I don't know. Soulmates. <laughs> you just hit on our favorite topic. We are obsessed with this. So I'll, I'll tell you a little secret. Right before we, while we, we, we were, we were just, we were uh, talking right before we came on, we're doing a course together called the Kabbalah of Soulmates. So Elise has also been, we've both been obsessed with this idea of soulmates. So generally speaking, people think of soulmate as bashert, that there's one person who is out there who is destined for me. And I got to find that one person. And the person in front of me, they can't be that one person. I mean, come on, there's millions of people in the world. It can't be you. That's not the Jewish version of soulmates. Lisa, what's the Jewish version of soulmates? Rabbi, you're the rabbi. <laughs> okay, so okay, fine. All right, I'll give this over and then I'll pass it back. I know you came to hear him, not me. I this is like <laughs> I don't want to steal the show. Uh so the question is, how do we make a soulmate? So soul, that's like the spiritual part, right? Mate, that's the physical part. That's us in this world. So we have the combination of the spiritual and the physical, right? So in this world, you meet somebody and you're like, wow, oh my gosh, you're amazing, Aliza Rabbi. That's my soulmate. Nope, it's not. That is your potential soulmate. Should you marry them? Boom, in that instant, yes, you have a soulmate. Why? Because we have to combine the spiritual and the physical in this world to make a soulmate. So if you're dating somebody, if you love them, things are amazing, you're going to get married, but you're not married, you're only potential soulmates. You get married, mazel tov. That's when you make a soulmate. You make a soulmate when you get married in that moment. That's when it happens. Everybody else is just a potential soulmate. Also, if somebody passes away, God forbid, or if there's a divorce, now you're like a free soul. You get to go out into the world. You get married again. Boom, you got another soulmate. Now, how many soulmates can you have? How many times would you like to be married? So you can, have, <laughs> you can have as many soulmates as you'd like, but you can only have one at a time. That's how, that's <laughs> the definition of soulmates. The mo the, it sounds like how many potential soulmates? How many potential soulmates? I'd, I'd rather say that the moment you're under the chuppah, you become soulmates. Everything before that is a potential soulmate. Why do you have to limit it when you I'm have saying potential? Everyone else is a potential soulmate. <laughs> if, if, Anybody could potentially be your soulmate. Anyone. But how many people are you going to really like in the world? Out of a hundred people in a room, you scan the room and you look around. How many would you like to talk to that like you're a little bit curious about? For some people, there's going to be like three people in the room that they want to talk to. For other people, there might be 10 or 15 that they actually want to talk to. But how many are you really going to like after you talk to them? Not so many. So even though like the whole world's open to you, 
you don't like everything. Like even think of your favorite food, your favorite flavor ice cream. Do you like, there's, there's 47 flavors. Do you like every flavor? You don't, you still have your favorites. I mean, ice cream is ice cream, but still it's not everything that you want just because it's ice cream. It's not like you want every single flavor. Everybody has something that they appreciate, something they value, something they want. And so, yeah, any, you, you can make anybody your soulmate because you marry somebody. You're like, hey, I pick you. Let's get married. Poof, we're soulmates. We're not in love. Maybe we didn't even date. It's an arranged marriage, right? You can make a soulmate in an instant. How many people will you really be drawn to before you make them your soulmate? It's very hard. It's not, this is, you know, we say it's as hard as splitting the sea. And, and we talk about what's God been doing since, you know, creation, making matches. <laughs> God, I believe there's one thing harder than Larry. making matches, yeah. and that is dating. <laughs> right. Yeah. The okay, hardest thing in the world is to date. Yeah. Someone had a question there, please. Um, um, hi, my name is Valeria. I'm from Panama. From Panama. <laughs> Panama. Elisa, this is a sign. You have to go to the wedding. <laughs> Going. Can you hear me? Yeah. Can you hear me? Okay. So you said that for love, you have to give. And I totally agree with that. But let's say there's a guy that invites me out and he does everything. He texts me. He picks me up. He buys the drinks. He does everything. And he's like amazing. But then there's another guy where mm, one day he texts you, one day he doesn't text you and you like him more because do you like him more because of that? Or do you like him more because you like him more? Because in one, you're like doing nothing. He texts you, na, na, na. you do everything. You don't even move. You only say, you only say like, hi, and details of your life. Everything else, you just get ready, go ra. Then the next, the other guy, mm, when he texts me, oh, what will happen? And that's hard to get. Like, do I really, who, like, how do I judge the situation? I love the question. <laughs> <laughs> He's making you work for it more. And the more you work for it, the more you earn it. The more the you more I, I know, I know that. You can get more. But yeah, I don't when know. you get married, you're going to like the first guy better. <laughs> the one who does everything for you. Uh, Just saying. <laughs> <laughs> so should I discard... Should I like him? <laughs> Should I discard <laughs> guy number two? I, I wouldn't I don't know that we need to discard either of them. You have to date both of them longer to know, but you might want to put one on hold and say, you know, I'm a little bit busy right now. Maybe uh come back to this a little later when I have a little more time and explore one person and then if it doesn't work and out, how then do I give? How do I like to a, to a guy that that does everything? How do I give? I want to give so I can feel because I, I know that if I give, I will feel more. How do I give to a guy that does everything? Uh, you can buy him something. You can make him something. You can do a surprise. You have to think about who he is, what would make him smile, write a card, handwrite it, do a little drawing, you know, a little gift, a little something like I, make I would... an investment. I would guess that a guy who does everything, his love language is acts of service. Okay. Right? Thank you. Yes. If he's, if he's constantly, usually happens. people love others the way they want to be loved. Right. That's a good one. 
people love others the way that they want to be loved. So see the way that he's treating you, and that's also what he wants in return. Okay, so you invite him out. <laughs> <laughs> but do small things, is what she's what they're saying. Yeah. Power, Power wants to ask a question. Can I ask something about the show? About the show, sure. Only if you're from Panama. <laughs> she's actually, she's very good. The, the Panamanian <laughs> obsession with love. This is fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> You should come to Panama. Come to Pita Pan. <laughs> okay, Caro is from Brazil, um, and she has a question. Yeah. Um. So I was watching the show, and there is a part where Elisa says something about the physical touch of, like, I think, like five days. You can't have any physical touch for a reason, and I wanted to like understand a little better the explanation behind that. The five okay. dates, Elisa. I love it. The five day challenge. So uh, the reason behind it is that if you don't like who the person is on the inside, then it's not going to be helpful to engage physically and grow something on the with, with physical intimacy. Physical intimacy can grow something very quickly. I mean, it can also ruin it very quickly, but it has the potential to advance it and grow it very quickly. But it's really useless if I don't like the person on the inside. So my theory is, let's do it in reverse. I date you five times. I don't touch you. If I want to see you for a sixth time, if I think that you're worth my time, then, so if you physically get involved, at least I know you really like the human that's there. But if I physically get involved with you, I don't know how well I know you. I don't know when I'm going to know how well I know you. Then I don't know if I like you because I like how you make me physically feel or because I like how you are with me or because our values are aligned. It, my brain turns to mush. I, it's very hard to make sense of things. So I just, my goal in general is to get the information you need as quickly as possible to make a really smart decision. So if you just want to like have fun and fool around, just say, hey, I'm not dating seriously. If you also don't want to date seriously, let's go have a good time. And then everybody's just being honest. But if you actually want to date to know if this person is a good person for you to be with long term, the five date challenge is if I still like you after five dates, you know, then you can give me a good night kiss. And I'm not, Rabbi, hold your ears. I'm not recommending you do anything. I'm just saying if you hold out, <laughs> then I know if I actually like you. Before that, I don't even know if I like you. And forget about me liking you. I don't know if you like me. Imagine on the other end, if he sticks around for five dates and he wants to see you for a sixth date, do you think he likes you? Yeah. Do you think he likes you because he's physically getting something from you? No, because he got nothing from you. He actually likes you. So you actually like him. He actually likes you. It's like amazing. Now, go have fun. You are perfect. <laughs> really, really, I see you and I'm like, wow. But, but I do have to tell you, I do have to tell you because I work with a lot of men also. And the men tell me, Aliza, if I like her, I would take the 10 date challenge. No problem. I wouldn't touch her for 10 dates if I like her. So I just want you to know, don't tell me like, oh, he won't stick around if I don't put out. You're wrong. They'll t they multiple people have men have told me multiple. Oh. I would stick around for 10 dates. No problem. And young ones, medium ones, old ones, all of them. It's not to one age group. So just want to let you know when people like each other, they don't leave. Yeah. Yes. Go ahead. 
Soulmates can't always live together. Hmm? So, soulmates sometimes <laughs> can't live together. I uh, and then why do you marry your soulmate then? Yeah, so it's a very uh, you're asking uh, for a very complicated question. <laughs> I, I'll I'll give you an example. So uh, tonight is a very special, a very very special night for for us. Uh, my brother-in-law. Uh, tonight this is your site and uh, he passed away at 12 years old and he was the matchmaker for my wife and me it's, a, it's an amazing beautiful very 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 difficult story but tonight we remember him and uh he was and so early on when we were dating i had i, I didn't know i never was married before i actually never even dated a woman before so I didn't know anything about marriage and love. But what I did know is about a roommate. I knew what it was like having a roommate because I had been in dorms in yeshivas for the past 10 years. And I had sometimes good roommates and I had sometimes bad roommates and even worse roommates. And there was one thing I knew about my roommates that when I went to sleep at night, I always like a cool breeze. I like it cold. And there's no way that I could have a successful roommate. Forget about love. Forget about relationships. Forget about marriage. I could not have a successful roommate if they liked it steaming hot in the room. If they liked to have a sauna. Like, it's you know, I, I need a cool, always cool in the room. And so on the first date, my wife and I are on a date. I turned to her and I said, do you like it hot or cold in the room? And she's like, what? <laughs> I said, I just have a question for you. Do you like it hot? She's like, I like a cool breeze in the room. I'm like, that was it. We could have gotten married the next day. That's all I wanted. <laughs> so why I'm saying that is the opposite of your question, is that what you asked is, is if someone gets divorced, yes, I do believe that any two people that stand under the chuppah, even if it meant that it was that, that it was a marriage that lasted for, for a week, it's still, they were, the, the chuppah creates the soulmates. And on the opposite, and something that Eliza and I get a lot is people ask, especially Eliza, what about someone who's not Jewish? And Eliza always says, and I'm taking the words out of your mouth, they can be a mate, but not a soulmate to a Jew. That there's 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 two elements to the soulmate. There, there's a mate. There are people who can be very good mates. But I think when it comes to, and this is such a broad topic that we could really talk about all night. When it comes to a soulmate, there needs to be both elements, the soul and the mate. You can't have one without the other, and you can't have the other without the other one. Thank you. Maybe we'll take one more question because uh, it's getting yeah. late for Eliza. And yes, uh, let's 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 take one last question. Yes, Continuing your question about like 
uh, couple that gets divorced, let's say they get divorced after many years. So that means they were really soulmates and they couldn't figure it out, or that means they need other soulmates. Like once you're married, it means like this should be your couple for the rest of your life. You, should, you have to work in it. And like, is the possibility that it was like a mistake or it's never a mistake? I, I'm, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to answer your question in a, in a bit of a awkward way. And I'll tell you why. I, I can answer it head on and maybe I'll answer it head on. And maybe Eliza, you can also uh, shed some light on this. I want to end on a high note. The divorce rate is very high today. It's over 50%. But what's also very high is the amount of people that come from divorced homes. And I don't only mean divorced homes, I mean also homes that didn't have happy and loving relationships, which means based on what we said, what Elisa said, your parents are not a good gauge for what is a happy and healthy relationship. If you think that, then you have a very hard time. You're starting from negative one. You have a hard time even getting into a relationship because you don't believe in it. And so there's a lot of research now that's come out about this because it's such a prevalent idea in the world. And if there's one thing that I can teach you tonight, let it be this. If you come from a home of which your parents are not your ideal role model for a long lasting and healthy relationship, whether they got divorced or they weren't happy or you don't think they have a good relationship, it doesn't matter what the, what the reason is. If you don't see your parents as a model for a long lasting and healthy relationship, there are three things that you can do. These three things can take you five minutes or five years. It's really your choice. And according to the study that just came out from the Gottman Institute, by doing these three things, you increase your ability to be in a long-term relationship by 80%. Just by doing these three things. Number one, you have to decide why is your parents' relationship not your ideal relationship? Why do they get divorced? Why are they not happy? Who do you ask? Who do you ask? You ask yourself. It doesn't matter what they think. It's not their narrative. It's your narrative. So you have to ask yourself. You have to decide in your head, this is why I don't like my parents' relationship. Number two, again, this can take you five years or five minutes. It's not your fault. So many kids who grow up in homes with broken relationships think it's their fault. They think they take on their parents' issues. It's not your fault. It's never been your fault. It's not your problem. Your parents' issue is not your issue. And number three, and this is the critical of the three, you have to decide who is your ideal relationship and, and it can't just be an ideal. It has to be a, a couple. It can be your rabbi and Rebetzin. It could be your grandparents. It could be your aunt and uncle, your best friend, older sibling. It doesn't matter. You have to say, this is my ideal relationship. And then what do you do? You interview them and you bug them up the wall to make sure that you know and that you have a model for what is a happy, healthy, and long-lasting relationship. Oh. Three things. Why it wasn't successful, not my fault, and who is going to replace, who is going to be my long-term success. Thank you. This has uh, been fantastic. Thank you for... Uh, spending this time with us. Any last words, Eliza, before we go? Oh, my famous give a bracha. 
Yes. Um, give you guys a blessing that uh, if you're not in a relationship, may you find one. If you are in a relationship, may you have clarity on uh, moving ahead in whichever direction you need to go. And uh, that each and every one of you should also help a friend of yours to find somebody to set them up with and to be your own matchmaker. Amen, amen. Oh, amen. Thank you. Thank you so much, both of you. Thank you. Thank you. Have a good night. Bye.